his thoughts on downtown Battle Mountain too. I was more interested in showing off than writing a coherent song. Oh, but he made coherent songs. What's up, everyone? It's the Demo T Podcast. We're here with Nate Blasdo. Did I say your last name right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, the current guitarist for I Set My Friends on Fire, former guitarist for our, the Bunny and the Bear, and also manages NASCAR drivers, too. Um, so, does Sex Ed Rock or? Uh, it did in 2008. Uh, <laughs> We haven't given given it a run in 2022 yet, so we'll, we'll okay in a couple of weeks. So we won't ex- we shouldn't be expecting it on the tour that's coming up. Yeah, I think we're gonna. I think we're. I think we're putting it in there. I I, I think there's uh, there's enough demand of people coming out of the woodwork coming to these shows that we have to play the old stuff, which is cool. So no worries. So uh, basically. It sounds like this is just like the time to do it because everyone had time to go on a tour. Yeah. Um, so we toured full time from like 2014 to 2018. And 2018 was kind of when the tank started running out a little bit. Um, you know, we were all pretty burnt out from touring. We really weren't making money off it. We were just barely breaking even. And um, we went home, got real jobs. Some of us got married. Some of us uh went back to school um so we've just been kind of doing our own thing um but you know all of us really really miss touring um i actually know i don't know if we miss touring as much as we miss miss being each being with each other uh you know we were pretty close band we all live in different states so we haven't even been in the same room since 2018 together so um you know there was a time that i didn't think that we were going to do another run but uh, the opportunity presented itself. So we were just like, we have to do it. You know, we, uh, life's too short. So, uh, I don't know what, what is in store past this upcoming run, but we're excited for it for sure. Well, I'm certainly glad you're going on this run because I mean, I'm trying very hard to go to your Fort Walton show right now. I, I live in Texas. So that's going to, it's going to be a bit of a drive to get there and a lot of logistics, but yeah, it's, I, really really trying to get to see you guys live so i appreciate y'all doing this well that means a lot man that means a lot for sure so let's let's take it like way back my friend so um how did you end up like you know picking up a guitar and like getting into that you know um man i really i don't know what really like uh like got me set on guitar um i got one for christmas when i was in fifth grade which sounds like the story that everybody has but um from there like my parents were pretty hesitant to get me one because it was like up to that point i would find something that i want to do do it for a month and then put it down and never pick it up again but uh guitar was just kind of the thing that stuck and uh yeah man i just got into music and got into bands and all that and from there just i mean I don't know. Uh, I guess that I was way more into like the business side of bands, but uh, I always was able to keep chops up well enough to, uh, to at least play the standard shit. And uh, you know, it got me as far as it did. Uh, I don't think that I shred by any means, but uh, you know, we get by. So uh, yeah, man, that's kind of the, the history behind it for sure. I've heard a couple of your songs, man. I think you shred. I think it's okay. I think it's okay to be that confident to say you shred. I appreciate I that, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. No, without a doubt, man. So um, your first band wasn't I Set My Friends on Fire and probably wasn't even Bun- The Bunny the Bear. Um, what was like one of the first bands that you got into? Yeah. High- the first band that I guess was really taken seriously uh, was a band called Dividing the Skyline. Um, we were just a bunch of kids from Rochester, New York that, um, 
just writing songs in our parents' basement and everything. But, uh, you know, we recorded one song and it kind of took off on YouTube. So that was when everything kind of became more real. Um, we were in high school and started getting hit up by labels and managers and, and all of that. And, uh, you know, I think that we were just really got lucky that it was at the right time. It was like right after MySpace died, but when YouTube was really popular. So uh -huh. um, we wound up signing with a management company, doing a couple bigger tours. And um, right before um, right before we put out our last record, uh, we broke up, which sucks because I still feel like that's one of the one of the best groups of songs that I've ever written. Um, but, uh, you know, from there, from there, it was kind of heartbreaking. We were kind of we were up against a time clock. Um, with going to college because we were all 17 about to graduate high school and we had been talking to labels we had been talking to managers we had been offered deals but we had never really gotten anything set in stone and we felt like we were kind of up against a, a clock to have everything solidified before college or we were going to college and um you know it just wasn't done in time but uh everything else worked out from there i went and joined the bunny the bear um, pretty much immediately um, after that band broke up. And that was a really cool experience. Um, I was 17 when I joined, which was extremely young at the time. I still think that's pretty young to be in a band, but, uh, oh, hell yeah. um, you know, we went, we toured with some really big bands, got to do some really cool stuff. And through the bunny, the bear, I was able to meet Matt for my semi friends on fire. And when Matt's old band kind of fell apart, um, he needed members for I set and I kind of wanted to leave the bunny. So uh, just kind of fell hand in hand and just kind of went from there, but it was a, it was a cool experience for sure. And wouldn't change how anything uh, played out by any means. Yeah. That's definitely very young to join like uh, the bunny, and the bear. I mean, like, and that was kind of like, I feel like near their peak of like success too. Yeah. Kind it, the band was definitely in a bit of a different place than it is now. Um, you know, uh, one of the major things was the original singer was still in the band, Chris. Um, sorry, I'm visiting my parents. I'm doing this in their house. <laughs> it's all good, dude. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we were definitely kind of caught up in that, like, I guess, flood of press, like, of like the all press bands. We were getting on decent sized tours and everything. And it was really cool to experience it at the time. Um, I think I kind of took it for granted back then under the fact that I was like, I remember the one of the first tours I did was with Mindless Self-Indulgence. And I was like, this is it. We're uh, we're playing theaters and arenas from here on out. No more bars. Uh, like an ignorant, uh, like an ignorant 19 year old thing. But, uh, you know, from there, it kind of uh, kind of started going downhill, but still thankful for every opportunity we got for sure. 100%. Mindless self-indulgence is no like slouch either. Like that's a huge band to play with for sure. Yeah, it was a really cool experience. Yeah. They played with uh freaking Lincoln Park and Mike Cam did. So yeah, that's that's big time. That was one of the coolest things about that tour was that was like one of the first the tour that you just referenced, the Project Revolution tour. That was like yeah. one of the first tours that I ever went to. So right. to go on tour with a band from there, I was like, man, that that's just that's so cool from uh from being that's at real, you know. And yeah, it was it was an all it was an awesome awesome experience for sure. It's like I was on the other side of the barricade last time I saw you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. They they uh they were they were interesting people, but they were really nice and they were cool. And we it was just us and them. There was no other bands on the tour, so it was a it's kind of weird, but it was cool for sure. That's dope, man. So like when you were like starting out 16 17 like you said you went to project revolution like what other type of bands were you into at the time i grew up on like a lot of like i grew up on stuff across the board but mainly like, like emo stuff like uh Central Bell, uh finch uh under oath um funeral for a friend really those bands were were really kind of my my pillars and i was into pop rock and pop punk for a bit, you know, uh, the Dangerous Summer was probably my favorite band growing up. But, um, you know, now now it's funny. It's funny how everything transitions. But now I just like listen to country and rap. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> not what I grew up on at all. But uh, wrong with that at all, man. <laughs> for sure. Uh, so like coming up, like, were you a big fan of I Set My Friends on Fire? Like, 
Yeah, I was actually. I was actually a really big, big fan, which is definitely there's still times that it's surreal that, uh, you know, that's the band that I wound up wound up joining and really making the most of my career out of. And, um, you know, it it's definitely interesting under the fact that seeing how everything really was opposed to what we thought it was like from the outside of being a fan of thinking, you know, this band's making all this money. They're doing all this, they're getting on all these good tours and, and they were drawing X amount of people per night and everything. And, um, you know, Isenfoff played a role in a lot of people's lives, which is awesome. But, um, you know, it, it was, there was a lot of things behind the scenes that weren't always great. And, um, you know, I think that the first year of it, was really Matt's probably the best years of Matt's life. But, um, you know, the years coming after that were pretty difficult between the label, between management, between losing Nabil. And, um, you know, I feel like with this last lineup that we got right was finally like the restoring of what Isenfoff was not from the music side, but from what it meant to everybody and what it meant to Matt under the fact that, you know, all of us were super close friends. We were friends more than we were bandmates, which I think goes a super long way. There wasn't a lot of political BS and we really weren't worried about the money or how big shows we were playing. You know, some of the funnest shows that we ever played were the 50 kids a night. So, um, wow. you know, a lot of, uh, really as you grow older, you kind of iron through what's important and what's not. And, um, you know, I think that from taking these years off, uh, you know, I think that we really found that. That's beautiful. Appreciate you. I appreciate you. It's kind of, (laughs) yeah, I was like, I'm like just thinking about it. I was like, I've been friends with this dude on Facebook for God knows how long. And just like crazy that you come on here because I believe, uh, like, maybe 2019 maybe 2020 um the band i used to be in we were supposed to play a show with y'all but um i mean i don't want to name names or anything but basically whoever was running that show was kind of like a a thief let's just say they're a thief and they like took my money and i didn't get to play a show with i set my friends on fire and i was always sad about that well we uh are you still in a band Unfortunately not. I'm not. Uh, it didn't work out anymore. Well, next next band that you're in, let me know, and we'll definitely get you guys on a show for sure. I appreciate that, man. Like, that was, like, it may have cost me, like, a couple hundred dollars to, like, play, like, a, you know, pay for play is a bullshit, and I don't want to name no names, but, you know, Pirate VIP can suck a dick. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I appreciate that, and I was just, like, to see you guys, like, you know, like some of my friends on fire, like they, they, I remember seeing them on MySpace and just knowing that, you know, it's just a coalition of people that it ain't about the politics, it ain't about the drama. It's about like a bunch of dudes that just love playing music and they want to be there and keep playing music. It's just like, that's inspiring, you know? Did you say pirate VIP? Uh, <clears throat> maybe. Uh, all right. I have no shame in doing this. Fuck that guy, dude. Fuck. Yeah. I, I hope that he listens to this because. That dude still owes us money, and it's not even about the money, but it's under the fact that we got a bunch of messages about that show. I think it was supposed to be in Santa Ana mm-hmm. in 2019, yep. and he said the venue closed, and the venue really didn't close. He did something the night before, and um, they canceled last second, but we got a bunch of messages from bands that said that they got their money taken, and we never got the cancellation deposit, which, like, you know, I'm not tripping over that, but... If it, I don't know, man. That that guy always was a was a sketchball, and I don't say that about about many people. But uh, um, I'm sorry that he took your money. But uh, hopefully, we'll get another chance to do it down the road for sure. I'm gonna I'm working my ass off to get another band going, so let's make that happen it's for sure, dude. I I would I would be honored and privileged, and like that the whole like reason why I even why I had no issue paying was because it was like I grew up with this band. I wanna I wanna be on the same side of the guardrail as them. <laughs> well, that means a lot. That means a lot. Thank you. No problem, dude. Now that'd but, be awesome. I would totally go to that show. You, you, you gotta get your picture, Texas, Ryan. Probably, man. We'll bring you. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'm down. Don't worry. So, like, how do you how do you feel about uh things that rhyme with orange? Because that's like obviously like a huge song now, and you get to play it for 
I guess, what, eight nights pretty soon, like in front of, yeah, it's like an anthem for people, basically. That's definitely, uh, it's definitely pretty, pretty surreal, like I said earlier. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, that song meant a lot, meant a lot to me when I was a kid. Um, and I think what was cool is finding out what it was written about when I got older. Um, you know, Matt wrote it while he was still in high school and wasn't really fitting in anywhere. And that's what it's about. And I think that that really resonated with, with a lot of people. And especially from that era, man, like, you know, there's a lot of bands through that era that didn't have meaning in their songs. Um, you know, like that whole, like, not to shoot shots at other bands, especially bands that were way more successful than us. But, you know, like, I look at bands like Asking Alexandria or <laughs> Capture the Crown and all this shit. And it's like, dude, they had 15 year olds wearing shirts that said like, you stupid fucking whore and shit. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> dude, looking back, that's so ridiculous. Like what, what, like, what did that shit mean to anybody? You know, like, um, you know, and, and with that, it's like I said, like, you know, maybe, maybe their bands worked out better. Uh, they were more edgy than us and that's cool. But, um, you know, I, at least going through with like knowing every night that we're going to play that song and that there's people all the time that come up to us and tell us stories about it got me through this or it got me through that. And, um, you know, regardless of where the band winds up, regardless of if we ever do another tour or we go and get hit by buses tomorrow you know that song really resonated with a lot of people and i feel like really played a role in in people's lives and uh you know we're just really really thankful for that um like i said it, it's still every night when i hear the intro i'm like fuck like i'm actually up here playing this song like this used to be my myspace song back in the day. <laughs> so it's uh it's definitely uh definitely a surreal experience but you know uh, we really appreciate everybody that comes out and shares their stories with us. And, um, you know, we're a pretty goofy band. Like we don't really take a lot of shit serious, but um, I'm glad that the one song that really blew up and stuck with people was the song that <laughs> the song that had, a, had probably the most meaning for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, like I definitely have whole things about that song for me too. And like, I guess that kind of <laughs> reminds me of another question. I like, how do you feel about like, term crab core because like y'all kind of get associated with it but i never really felt like y'all were really part of it it was just kind of felt like y'all were same time same place i mean of course this was before your time i i i'm but i'm just kind of wondering what your thoughts were on it no man i'm glad that you brought that up yeah you know we always kind of got associated with all these other bands um that like we just weren't really in with like i don't really feel like we were a crab core band um, you know, it's a cool scene. I think that that scene meant a lot to, to a lot of bands, but like, you know, like people in their heads, like think like, yo, we were best friends with Attack Attack and we're best friends with the Devil Wears Prada and all these bands. And like, to be honest with you, like we always really kept to ourselves. Um, you know, like even before I was in the band, like Matt was very to himself, um, not in like an antisocial way, but just wanted to be his own independent person. Um, that's kind of how we all been. Like we we're we're a bunch of weird dudes that probably find a lot of things. We have a lot of interests that don't really correlate with a lot of other bands. So, um, but as far as sound goes, like yeah, I know that we were we were bunched in with that. But um, you know, like people all the time will come up to us and be like, "Yo, did you listen to the new of Mice and Men?" Or "Did you listen to the new this or the new that?" And it's like we don't listen to any of that shit. Like honestly, like even if you listen to our music, like a lot of the routes a lot of this stuff, like, I guess the, the roots of the music don't really stem from that. Um, you know, the first album does a little bit, but what a lot of people don't realize too is like, and like, this isn't supposed, this isn't like trying to like claim something of obviously I wasn't a part of it at the time, but um, Ism Foff really was one of the first bands that did it and did the sound. If you look at it, like, um, you know, Attack Attacks album came out after Ism Foff. Um, Asking Alexandria came out after and um, We Came As Romans came out after. But, you know, I think the thing that kind of separated a lot of that, though, is like, you know, Matt's not afraid to admit it, but um, I think that th a lot of those bands came out and they did it better. They kind of took what we were doing and put, A, they went to a really good producer, which was Joey Sturgis. Joey Sturgis, everything that guy's touched has been incredible. Um, 
but they really went for this clean polished sound and had crazy good singers and all that and like you know I think that we could have followed that route but that's not really what Matt wanted to do or the or the sites that he had for the band he always just kind of wanted to do his own thing and what what made sense to him and um so yeah I guess back back to the main question though um I think the crab core scene is cool I think that it's awesome that all those bands uh you know they meant a lot to a lot of people but we I don't really see us fitting in there um even like we've toured with some of them and when we tour with them like people just don't care like people are like, you guys are terrible. It's like, yeah, we know, like it's supposed to kind of be a joke, but uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it is what it is at the end of the day. But um, yeah, I don't think that we, I don't think that we fit in there as much as people, as much as people think. I've always felt like you guys were kind of like, like you guys had elements that were similar to crab core and Nintendo core kind of bit, like, you know, with samples and stuff like that. But I've always felt like you guys kind of just were like always, doing your own thing you know yeah we all we were always just kind of in our own corner like we never wanted to be another band or I never wanted to to go and try to do something that we weren't about or um you know I think that that's one of the reasons why astral rejection sounds so much different than uh, than slaughter because I think a lot of bands kind of followed similar to slaughter but mm-hmm. it just wasn't really what we were about and I think that as we, as you grow up you know we're not 18 anymore uh yeah as you grow up you your music change music tastes change and that doesn't mean that i think that we're going to go and release a country album but uh, that means, <laughs> never you know, say never yeah i never mean say never. i would love it but but uh i listen to it <laughs> well, so, so your first uh release with the band would probably have been because you joined 2014 right it was like mid 2014 or beginning um mid 2014 so maybe not nobody wants to be a parrot man was not your first song i don't think no so matt so the the, those songs are songs that matt did on his own the the only songs that we've released that i've written or co-written were uzi uh don't take me for pomegranate um uh versace tamagotchi all the full, we have a few unreleased songs too that we're yeah. still working with. And, you know, I know that everybody's, everybody's wondering where the new music is. Like we went through a bunch of legal stuff for years um, on that, but I think that we finally have it straightened out. So, we'll so Caterpillar really- Sex is on the horizon, the long awaited album. Yeah, man. Well, not, not just that. Like I said, we have some, so Caterpillar Sex is really just Matt. Um, it's really Matt's kind of, um, beat album per se like it's much more beat driven um, yeah we have a couple songs that we're sitting on that are full band songs um but yeah man like you know it sucks that it's gone down the way that it did under the fact that you know it, it does suck to look at the calendar and see like man we really have not released new music in a very long time but um you know i think that i think that we're kind of getting i think that the pandemic kind of um you know put a lot of this political bs to the side the music yeah. anyway like the oh well this was supposed to be released under epitaph but you signed with warner before we gave you a clause out of your contract like this pandemic i think just kind of showed like like you know there's more important things in life than a fucking piece of paper so yeah all um, that red tape man yeah mm-hmm. man and i mean like i think that we're just gonna go ahead and, and release shit and then if somebody wants to come after the couple thousand dollars that we make off or go for it you know like it's not it's not going to be a gold mine by any means but uh it'll mean something to some people and that's what's important also shout out versace tamagotchi because not only does that song like fucking rip but you guys got uh godzilla versus mothra as the album cover like the single cover and i just think that's freaking amazing that's awesome man thank you (laughs) (laughs) gotta show that kaiju love you know Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's a classic. <laughs> also, it's a really good song, too, dude. Just like, it is a really good song, yeah. That shit gets me bouncing, man. You just start saying chomp, 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 and I'm just like, ah, my body's dancing. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I, I, uh, uh, we, uh, you know, that, that song definitely started us, putting us in a different direction of, of music, and I think that everybody was really happy with that song, so. Oh, yeah. 100% happy. For sure. 
So you guys got this tour coming up and you guys have uh, been blown up like, you know, social media. You got alt press believing like Mimi statuses and stuff. So, I mean, I think that's kind of always been is, you know, is Moff's like little uh, power, like superpowers, like humor. So like, what's it like being so funny? Like, how'd you guys get so funny? Yeah, that's the, uh, you know, that's kind of the beauty of being in a band that never really took themselves too seriously. Like, um, so this kind of started, started off this past weekend, like tickets, tickets have been selling pretty good um, already. We've actually been really surprised about how tickets have been selling for this tour, but um, you know, so it happened unintentionally. We made that status about not practicing in three years, which is actually true. Um, Note that how we've always done practices, though, is like because we all live in different states and everything. We normally just block out the three days before we leave and just do like 12 hour practice days. So it's not like a uh, like, you know, I know a lot of bands practice consistently. They'll practice once a week, whatever. But, you know, we've never really had the ability to do that because we don't live anywhere near each other. Um, So from there, uh, you know, we made that status and it blew up and it was hilarious, I guess. People found it funny. So um, we realized that after that status was made, we actually sold a bunch of tickets that day. Like promoters were coming back to us and being like, man, tickets are flying. And we're like, all right, well, we'll go and make another dumb status. So we made a status about one, the movie Wonder, which didn't take off the way that we wanted to. Um, and we were literally in the group chat just texting about ideas and jimmy sent a video our film guitarist jimmy sent sent a video and because it's a because connor has a droid i'm not sure if you've ever been in a group chat with a droid but if you send a video it comes out shit um I'm pretty sure ryan has a droid <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, videos shit. but droid to droid video is fine but droid to iphone video always comes out (laughs) so um so essentially like we made a joke in the band chat of like connor we're gonna kick you out for having a droid and literally i was like i'm gonna post it on facebook and see if it takes off and like within five minutes i have like a thousand likes Uh, like man we got another hit like that's literally what matt said Um, so we just kind of took the idea and, and just ran with it and you know, a lot of people are finding it funny. There's actually people finding our band off of it, uh, which is crazy. But, um, you know, it's just it's just light, lighthearted humor, and that's how it should be. And, um, you know, I know that there's some people that are taking it super seriously, but uh, we've never taken ourselves that seriously and have always just been, uh, been a band to make people laugh and have a good time. And I think that we're hopefully accomplishing that um the alt press article ruffled a few feathers in the uh in the corporate world i got a couple texts about that um under the fact that ap did not like the fact that it was photoshopped but uh you know at the end of the day it is what it is like it it was it was just uh it's just a meme they're really gonna be that mad they they got dude they got bigger issues that they got to focus on and uh, so do we so like i said we just want to want to lighten up people's day and if we can sell tickets while doing it that that's uh it's a double uh double win for us for sure i think that's yeah. like very important like for bands to like hear like nowadays because like there is there there's a small sect of people that are like yeah meme bands we can make memes joke around all day but like not taking it so freaking serious because life is too short like, if you take everything too serious and everything's got to be business, 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 it's like, music's supposed to be fun, bro. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, like there's there's a level of professionalism that that should come with everything. But, you know, like, like we're going to, like, obviously, we're going to go out and we're going to practice before these dates. Like, we're not worried about, like, sounding like shit or anything. And, like, you know, there's been a bunch of people who have come to us and have been like, well, that's fucked up that uh, you guys are charging fans to see you guys and you haven't practiced in three years, whatever. (laughs) And it's like, yo, 
I promise you that the 36 hours that we're going to put in practicing for the three days for the tour are going to be way more relevant than the rest of the bands that are practicing one hour a week for four months. Yeah. You know, so um, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. And like, like I said, you know, everybody does take things too seriously. And, you know, I think that there's, there's comfort found in humor that uh, I think a lot of people do like to see under the fact of like, you know, maybe somebody saw has had a shitty day and they see this, we fired our base basis for having an Android meme blow up and, you know, it's uh, maybe it lightens their day a little bit. And if that's, if that's what it does, then, uh, you know, our goal is accomplished for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably one of the funniest things I've seen recently. So you at least, i appreciate it that's uh, that's awesome <laughs> yeah you know it people are like dying at the comments and everything and and like people think that we actually like hired like a social media team to do this and to be honest with you it's just been like me just trolling people on calls but uh um uh, matt's trolled some people too connor's trolled some people as well but you know it's it's uh like i said i think i think for the most part i think it's had a 98 success rate in making people laugh so it's important that's what's up i mean well, that's, how, that's how it should be man like like people are like entertainers like you gotta be entertaining man nobody wants to see you post like go on facebook and cry about like the industry or some shit it's just like make a motherfucker laugh and they'll like remember that shit you say some like profound shit it's like you and like 60 other people are trying to be profound and it's like if you're actually funny like fun like be funny yeah i mean meme is the new frontier for sure hell yeah and it's generally like in interactions are everything and it's generating a ton of interactions so um you know it's like i said it's a double win for sure besides your like emerging meme career you've kind of like i looked you up like because just do some research but like you're like the same age as me but you've like seemed to like lived like a million lives like in your short time here like you're playing you're playing i set my friends on fire you were a teacher right and you manage and you manage nascar teams right and you like write you've written for some pretty big artists too yeah it's uh it's been <laughs> crazy it's been a crazy uh i've been super blessed to have a really good network and really understand how to network and um you know just through that shots in the dark have kind of what landed from one thing to another and um you know i've always kind of lived by if i'm not happy with what i'm doing i gotta change it so um you know i had this thing for a while that every three years i would change what i was doing just to get more experience with stuff and um you know the songwriting stuff was awesome it was cool uh you know there was some there was some um I think that there were some higher hopes with some of the projects that I had done. Um, you know, we were working with a pretty big management company um, who essentially got us in a bunch of writing sessions. And like, I remember there was one song that we thought was going to be an absolute hit um, is for MKTO. Uh, it was called American Dream. And we, we were like, man, this is it. Like, this is going to go multi-platinum, et cetera. And it didn't even go gold. Which, like, you know, now looking back, that sounds ridiculous. That sounds so fucking ridiculous thinking it didn't even go gold. Like, and I look back at those times and I say, like, man, like, I'm glad that shit didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to there. Because, like, if you have the mindset that a song that you wrote isn't going gold is a bad thing, like, you know, you got to change who you are and change up what you're doing. And, um, you know... Uh, the first song that I wrote for the vamps um, you know that that was just luck of the draw and with a lot of this so much of the music industry is luck it's not about who's more talented or or whatnot and you know I'll openly admit I kind of let my head grow too big on that so um, you know I kind of I never really liked the writing game in the first place um, it was cool. Like I said, it was cool to go and say that I did those things, but at the end of the day, like the process sucks. Getting your songs approved sucks. 
getting a song that you think is approved and then having everything about it change sucks. Um, having somebody say that they wrote songs that you wrote on every interview sucks, <laughs> you know? So um, <laughs> I just kind of got out of that and went back to school pretty much immediately. And from there, uh, I started off by being a substitute teacher, um, which was like the perfect job for touring. If you're a musician, and you need a job that lets you leave, go and be a substitute teacher. Because like, A, it's a sick job. B, everywhere needs it. And C, it actually pays pretty well. Um, but I wound up getting a, a sub job. And, um, you know, it was kind of funny at first. Like, at, like all the Ism Fall fans were like, no way. How are you going to be? How are you going to be a teacher? And at, rightfully so, because it's like, you know, looking at it, it's kind of ridiculous singing songs about some of the stuff that we sing about and going, <laughs> kind of uh kind of uh i don't want to say an oxymoron it's probably the wrong word but um you know i guess pretty ironic anyway but um you know from there i actually wound up getting offered a full-time position um for one of the jobs that i was subbing in and i couldn't turn it down i really loved the kids and really loved what i was doing at the time and took it and did that for two years and uh I got laid off due to budget cuts right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I really had no idea what I was going to do. Um, I knew that I knew that it was going to be, whether it was going to be grad school or, or I, I thought I, I kind of knew that I was done with teaching for the time being, but um, you know, going to law school was also on the table. Um, but at the last second, um, like right before I committed to a school, um, a friend hit me up who was an NASCAR driver who we had known through the band and was like, you should reach out to this driver. I think that uh, you guys would get along really well. So I reached out to him and within like two days I had a job and it was uh, just kind of history from there. It was something that I didn't really see myself getting into, uh, but they really liked a lot of the marketing that was done behind the band and everything, which I guess ultimately makes sense because so much of NASCAR is marketing and, and creative marketing ideas and, think that isn't false you know some of them have hit some of them have missed but i think that enough of them have, have missed the consider or have uh, hit the consider it successful but um you know from there it was just like all right i'm up for the challenge i want to learn more about this and learn more learn more about marketing and you know through this there's so many different types of people involved in nascar you know i feel like and a year from now, I could go and manage a pet food company, or I could go and manage, uh, go and be a pharmaceutical salesman. Like, you know, it, it's really just about being versatile. And I, I've fallen in love with NASCAR. It's not something that I really thought that I was going to love as much as I do. Uh, I think I'm going to do this for a while. Um, I, I think that I'm going to finally break out of my every three year, every three year uh, term this time next year is going to be three years or uh, yeah, next year is going to be three years. So I don't see myself going any place, but uh, sorry. That's my, Oh, it's all good. <laughs> all good, man. Uh, I'm, digging all the sound of, I'm digging all the sound effects. It, it makes it feel like we're like in an office or a uh, house. Yeah. Or we're outside your house right now. I mean, Ryan, oh, okay. We're going to a live interview now for the second I think, half. I think everything in New York is shut down. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, like I said, it was just, uh, you know, being in a band is a blessing and you, you learn a lot of tools from being in a band that I think a lot of people don't realize. Um, you learn how to market, you learn how to budget money, you learn how to manage money, you learn how to manage people, you learn how to get along with people, which is a major part of it. You learn how to problem solve, you learn how to solve crises. Um, you know, there, there's really, being in a band is really tough work. And, uh, you know, a lot of those qualities can, can transfer to the real world. And I think that scares a lot of people. Um, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, like I, I look at the NASCAR job. I still get to travel every weekend. Uh, now we just get hotels, we get flights paid for all of that, which is awesome. I make a really, really, really good living off it. Still get to travel and see people, still get to meet new people, still get like, it's a lot of the same thrill that ha that music had, but it pays the bills on like music did. So, um, you know, it's a close second. Music will always be probably the closest thing to my heart, but um, you know, that's just kind of my advice to anybody that's in a band is 
a you got to know when it's time to do something else and b like the skills that you learn from being in a band don't let them go to waste because they are meant for something more than than flipping burgers at mcdonald's or or whatever it is because like there's there's so many qualities in the corporate world that being in a band requires and it's it's crazy you would never think that the two correlate but they do oh for sure i mean i think we're probably still a thing because ryan knows how to market us because he know, <laughs> knew how to market bands so yeah I, I picked that up and i was just like you know what i'm just gonna keep doing this and i don't care if i don't have a band anymore it's like i can i used all the skills that i learned from being in a band for this and i mean i mean shit we got you on here so it's working yeah see you're still close to music though and that's what's important you know like not like the best advice that was ever given to me was nothing works out the way that you think it's going to work out but everything works out and exactly it's kind of how i look look at nascar like i wish the band was more sufficient or I guess more, not sufficient, uh, more sustainable uh, financially over time, but it wasn't. So, you know, but at, like at the same time, like, dude, it's working in NASCAR is fucking awesome. Teaching even was fucking awesome. You know, getting to hang out with kids all day and, and, you know, playing a role in their lives and seeing them grow up and accomplish stuff. Like that's, it's awesome, you know? So um you know and i'm sure same thing with with this podcast with you guys you know you get, still get to talk to awesome bands still get to learn about the behind the scenes still get to come out to shows you know you guys are just as close to it as you ever were so um you know i definitely think that you guys understand that and get that and uh you know i hope that more bands start figuring that out over time that you know it's okay to have other jobs other than being in a band it's okay to have other interests and you know i, I feel like that's something that um a lot of like i think that's something that's wrong with the music scene it's almost like looked down upon like oh you're in college what a loser or like you're in like oh you work at a software company what a loser like it's like that having that mindset is so dumb like and i think that's one of the reasons why isn't was never was never really like fit in with a lot of those other bands because a lot of them were just doing that shit like um you know there was a time that like on our last europe tour in 2018 all of us were in college doing college on the computer after we played every single night we'd have a homework assignments due at night so we literally go and sit in a green room while the other bands went and drank while we stayed at back and did homework um you know we've always kind of been that band that uh you know really wanted to maximize uh opportunities farther from this music so i think it worked out yeah i'd say so <laughs> but i mean yeah it's true i mean you can't really a lot of some unexpected things will happen like i wouldn't think i'd be on a podcast like this three years ago but sure enough and it's working out pretty well but also um yeah the nascar job is really cool honestly like, i've been like a small fan of it for a while like i liked it a lot when i was a kid i keep up with it a little bit now but yeah, it's that's honestly sounds really fun doing that job. Absolutely, man. We got to get you out to a race for sure. Oh, I'd love to. Actually, I went to uh, the one in uh, in Austin last year. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. You went to Dakota. Dakota, yeah, that was crazy when it rained the whole Bro, time, and they had a. Should have hit me. I would have come and hang on, hung out. I didn't. I mean. I would have loved to. I didn't even know you were a thing. I, I didn't even know who you were or anything. But, yeah, I, I would have totally loved to hit you up for sure. For sure, man. Well, next one you make it to, let me know. Yeah. All right, for sure. In fact, actually, I remember that uh, I went to Coda. I, w- I watched the race. And then immediately afterwards, we interviewed Lilac Kings. And, like, I'm, like, sitting in, like, the parking lot trying to get out of there. And, like, I, I can't. But I'm, like, having to interview this band. Dude, the traffic was so bad. Uh, that that venue is like just notorious for having terrible traffic. Like, I went to see the Rolling Stones there last fall, and it was just like it took probably an hour and a half to get out of there. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. 
We had a, a fan question since we're talking about NASCAR. They were wondering what is more chaotic, your job as a teacher, your job with NASCAR, or your job with I Set My Friends on Fire? Oh, man. Um, that's a really good question. Um, the job with NASCAR is probably the most chaotic under the fact that there's a ton of money being thrown around. Um so it's like, you know, there's a, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it, but I guess there's much more serious consequences. Um, second would probably be teaching. Uh, Cause obviously kids lives are pretty fucking important. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you know, um, with that, like, but there was definitely chaotic days of, of teaching for sure. Like, I mean, I would have fights in my classrooms I would, um, I would be, I mean, administration hated me. Absolutely, absolutely hated me under the fact that like, I always had this super laid back attitude under the fact of like, you know, I think that it's super wrong that pe that like the public school system essentially makes kids believe that they have no future if they don't pass high school, which is literally fucking bullshit. Like I was always incredibly open about like my background, which was, I literally graduated from high school with a 1.2 GPA. Uh, literally got by, by, by the skin of my teeth. Um, you know, had really bad ADHD. Um, you know, never really learned the traditional way. Uh, thought that I had no shot of going to college. I went to community college for one year. For one year, they didn't even look at my high school transcript. I got a 4.0 at the community college, and then I transferred to University of Michigan, which is one of the top schools in the U.S. So. Yeah. And it's like, with that, it's like, it's, there's kids that literally kill themselves because they think like, oh, if I don't do well on my SATs or I don't pass this fucking shitty math test that I'm never going to need, like I have no future. And I think that, that, I think that that mindset is so fucking wrong. Like education is important, but like scaring kids into doing well, isn't the way to go about it. Getting kids stoked on what they're learning is the way to go about it. So, um, but ultimately, uh, administration really hated the fact that, like, you know, I was really laid back under the fact of, like, yo, school's not everything. Like, you know, understand that it's important, but don't think it's the end of your life. And they didn't like that. So, you know, dealing with that was, was definitely chaotic. But I said my friends on fire really is not chaotic at all, like, from the business standpoint, like, um, we're all pretty laid back. We're all really funny, immature guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, besides the hour that we play every night, like besides that is pretty much just like sleeping in parking lots and responding to memes on Facebook, which isn't chaotic. So uh, I would definitely say NASCAR is the first, but uh, teaching is the close second for sure. I like your uh, takeaways on uh, school for sure. What a, what a subject were you teaching by the way. So I was a special education teacher, which okay. is another, but I had kids that were emotionally disabled opposed to learning disabled. Um, so I think that played another, like, but that's one of the reasons why I was like so open about it under the fact of like, look, like this is not everything like, you know, seventh grade math, like they would get math tests that I didn't even know how to do. Like, I would literally be like, you need to go ask another teacher because I have no fucking idea how to do this. Like, but <laughs> at the same time, um, you know, like I said, I, I think that uh, there's just so much that like, and that's honestly one of the reasons why I got out of teaching is just because there's not enough people on the wave. Uh, there's like, you will find people few and far between that understand that mindset. But um, as far as like administration and school districts go and, and parents even, um, you know, a lot of people are still for this old school, let's scare them into doing well. And it's uh, like kids, kids right. should do well because they want to do well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's... Life's shitty enough, man. We don't have to be scaring people. Bro, it's so fucking hard to be a kid, dude. Like, yeah, like, I thought it was hard to be a kid when I was younger. Like seeing what some of these kids had to go through like every day, like it's fucking crazy. It's like, Dude, you're gonna go and you're gonna you have to go and you do your extra extracurriculars until uh 
6 p.m. Then you have to go home and work four hour, do four hours of homework to fall asleep by 10.30 and be up at 6 to go and do it all over the next morning while their parents are fighting and getting divorced. Their friends are dying from uh, suicide. I think we had, we had a couple suicides in my district, but, um, you know, like the, um, their animals aren't being taken care of. Uh, their parents are having trouble paying bills. It's like, man, kids just need some time to just be a kid. Like, it seems like, seems like that's been forgotten about in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, you know, and it, it's crazy. There's not enough counseling resources. Like I, I could, I could go on, I could go on for hours and hours and hours, but um, ultimately, ultimately be all and end all. There's a lot that has to change with the school system for sure. Yeah. Without a doubt, dude, that's like kind of shitty. Um, if you don't mind, I asked uh, our commenters on a demo team, if they had any questions, I could throw out a couple rapid fire ones at you. You don't have to put too much. Yeah, go for it. All right. So from Nathaniel Plaza, he asks, "Why were the nun- why were the nuns watching?" Um, because <laughs> huh. <laughs> I was gonna say something, but I don't feel like I should say it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Go go and do some research on the Catholic Church. That'll tell you now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All so, right. Katie Ann asks, so they still remember the words to sex ed, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, I not. I think we remember most of them. We might we, we might uh we might need some fans to help us out, but I think we remember the most of them. Nice. So Dakota Tressel asks, um, when the fuck are they gonna tour to Canada? Canada flag emoji and a reindeer emoji. Yeah, straight up, the last time we toured Canada, it was the worst tour that we have ever done. And that's not, <laughs> that's not a dig. That's not a dig at Canada. Like I live really close to Canada. Like I live in outside of Rochester, New York, so I'm like probably 30, 40 minutes from the border. But um, yeah, the la- like Canada just did not fuck with us last time. I would love to come back, um, but yeah, they just didn't fuck with us. So. Tell, tell the rest of your Canadian friends to fuck with us and we'll come back. You hear that, Canada? Stop fucking around. Start fucking around. <laughs> exactly. John Travolva asks, um, it, will, you get, will you put me in your top eight on MySpace? Top, <laughs> uh, top eight. <laughs> it's a very sacred position. I mean, that's kind of personal, man. You can't be asking people that. Yeah, right. Like top eight. Know. That's that's for best friends that you know in IRL. You know, one hundred percent. I don't think people realize how important that shit was back in the day. Um, January author asked, "How is computer?" <laughs> Computer's going through it right now. He's really upset about the alt press article, but um. <laughs> that's a slow news day right like i I, i'm all for them giving you coverage like 100 percent, they need to give you guys coverage because like those reviews are like fucking bullshit fuck alt press though real quick fuck alt press like actually fuck alt press yeah yeah agree but but, uh computers this is from us the demo scene podcast on alt press yeah computers computers doing okay but but Send send him some love on on Facebook for sure because he's going through it. On 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 that note, Dalton White asks, "What kind of computer will the new bass player be?" Uh MacBook for sure. We don't we don't fuck with that Windows shit. <laughs> <laughs> there will be no Android laptops at this show. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Someone asked who did the album cover art for the first album. I'm kind of just like, you can Google that. I don't know who did the album cover for the first. Um, I, I checked uh, Wikipedia and you got Brad Gurwitz and Nick Pritchard. They both have credits for artwork. So probably Brett, one of them. Brett Gurwitz? Yeah. So that's the owner of Epitaph. Yeah. Um. I don't think he had anything to do with the artwork. <laughs> I could it be said artist and repertoire, so I don't know what that means. That's A and R. That's A&R. Oh, okay. He's the one that signed us. Okay, good. 
So it must have been Nick Pritchard. Shout out Nick Pritchard. Yeah, shout out. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> so um I think we've let me see if anyone else sent any questions. I have a question though. How long were you in the Bunny the Bear? Sorry about that. Um, I was in the Bunny the Bear for two and a half years. Good times. So that's good. That's a funny thing that you brought that up. So I viewed them as a bad thing or as bad times for a very long time. Um, up until so Chris, our singer, uh, passed away in July. Uh, and you let so much bullshit get in the way of the good times that there were like in your mind like for some reason our minds are always like just think of the worst times that we had and you know I look back and there were so many good times that we looked past so um you know I don't I don't view them as a bad time anymore um definitely not times that I would go back to but uh there was a lot of good there's a lot of good, and I wouldn't be who I was today without those years in the band. Makes sense, man. Like, you know, we're all human. Yeah, I mean, you need times like build you up, I guess, teach you things. Yeah, we were all super young at the time, too, which I think yeah. forget. That's fair. I mean, not knowing what you're doing, I guess, figuring it out. Um, but also, like, the, that, the whole side of, like, realizing like maybe they weren't as bad as they really were like later on like that's also important too yeah for sure i mean there was a lot of bad things that happened in that band and i don't think that anybody will ever run away from that um but if you look at the things that everybody had going on in their lives like nothing's as black and white as as it appears you know mm-hmm. um and it doesn't necessarily give an excuse for it, but it gives somewhat of an understanding of why some of the things happened the way that they did. But, um, you know, like I said, I would never go back to them, but I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for who they made, made me. In the- yeah, man, that's a humble answer, man. That takes a lot to, you know, say. And I appreciate you, like, you know, being a stand-up gentleman like that. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've basically had you for an hour. Um, yeah. Do we have any other questions or anything, Cash? I don't want to hold you up, Nate. Yeah, there's so if, if there's a, if there's a few more questions, throw them my way. But uh, if not, no worries. I guess the one thing I was wondering about, just because like some music I'm working on right now, is like, do you have any tips for like writing guitar parts for like songs with like heavy synth and things like that? Yeah, dude. So I learned this later in life, and I was told it forever, and I wish that I had known it sooner. Less is more when it comes to distortion. So, like, I was always the type like growing up. I was always like, yo, I'm gonna set the gain on ten. (laughs) the game rarely ever leaves three and shit sounds so much cleaner and so much better so that's my best advice advice on guitar parts for sure all right i can do it yeah anything else ryan or um are you um so you're staying with your family in new york right now are you got any plans to like see any sites or such no i grew up here so I'm, i'm in rochester new york which is like not like New York City. It's like Canada, New York, pretty much is what we call it. Like yeah. next um, to Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're down by like, I'm impressed that you know that, Cash. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I've been here for, for since the holiday, but I head back down to North Carolina here um, next week to get ready for the tour. That's where, that's where I spend most of my time. Um, but yeah, you know, it's been really cool being home and seeing my parents and, um, you know, that's, that's something that's, that's crazy that, um, through the touring years, I don't think I was ever home at one time for like more than three weeks to a month. Um, so the fact that I've been here for a month and I don't even live here is realistically, I think I've been here longer than 
I ever was while I was touring. Uh, but it's cool. It's a, uh, it's, it's cool being home. Definitely not a big fan of the snow, but, uh, but we'll get by. Awesome. All right. <laughs> so usually when we uh, wrap up uh, episodes, we like to ask our guests, um, what have you been listening to lately? What music actually, has been Brian, you Before you go, I got one more question actually that I just thought of. Um, yeah. I was just wondering like, how did like Little Lotus like get involved with like y'all so much? Cause y'all done like a couple songs with them so, like recently. Yeah. So Lotus is one of my really, really good friends. Um, crazy enough, like he DM'd us on Twitter like years and years ago before he popped off. Um, and we were like, who is this? Like, we have no idea who this is. <laughs> then as he started to get a little hype, um, we were recording Don't Take Me for Pomegranate. And I, I decided, all right, I'm going to listen to this guy, whatever. I listened to Body Bag. I'm like, dude, this is fucking sick. This kid is good. Showed him to Matt. And Matt really does not like new music, period. And he's like, dude, this guy is good. So I'm like, all right, like, there's something here. So I hit him up. And I was like, yo, you want to hop on this verse? And he was like, sure. And we sent, we sent this verse to four other people. Um, and he's the only one that returned it and gave it back. And when we heard it, we're like, this is it. Like he killed it. Um, then we sent him a tour offer the next week. By the time that he had toured with us though, I honestly think that he probably should have headlined because he was definitely outdrawing us. <laughs> but, uh, um, we just became really, really close with him. Um, like he had us out and we stayed in Dallas for a couple uh, for a couple days in, in April of 2019, I think, or no, 2018. Um, and yeah, we just became super, super close with him. And um, he was a huge fan, but like, it's awesome to see him pop off as much as he has. He, I actually, people don't know this, but he actually called me to play guitar for him uh, last August and I wasn't able to do it because obviously oh, for his, uh, for his tour, right? Yeah. yeah. For his headliner. So I, at the last second, I was like, yo, you should bring Hector. And, uh, Hector was like, yeah, I'm down. And so now Hector is playing guitar for him full time. Um, which is awesome. And his brother, right? Yeah. His brother plays bass for him. Oh yeah. You're right. You're right. That's just, uh, that's just family though. Like, yeah i'm so happy to see him doing so well and like we just vibe with lotus like unlike we really vibe with like any other artist ever like i don't i don't know what it was he really he really was like the sixth member per se um he just we just had a different understanding for him and he had an understanding for us and it's been uh been cool i hope that we can do some more in the future for sure yeah i mean i grew up in dallas and um he we'd see him at the mall and shit like he he was like with our like you know group of friends who like we'd all go to work tour together and like he'd be like around there so yeah it's cool to see him like finally pop off we also we really need an if i die first i set my friends on fire tour yeah that'd be dope we so we've talked about it we've talked about if i die first we've talked about see you space cowboy um i would love to see one of them happen uh it would be incredibly difficult considering that if i die first has crazy schedules with all the other projects they're doing oh yeah we have crazy schedules but i know that we're at least playing a show with them i can't say when it is but we're at least playing a single show with them um which will be which will be cool but uh yeah we're uh it'll happen eventually for sure i'm stoked to hear that did you have any more questions, guys, or we can get recent listens out of them? Yeah, I think we got a recent listens now. All right. So what have you been recently listening to, Nate? What's What's been keeping you motivated and inspired? So recently, I've been listening to a lot of country, a lot of Dan and Shay, a lot of Florida Georgia line, I can't even lie. Mm. Uh, a little bit of be easy uh as far as like actual bands go though uh yo you know i actually a band hang on let me see what they're called i've been listening to this band all day they, they tagged us in something yesterday and they're actually really good um as the city sleeps i think they're from texas um right. they're dope 
they're from Houston, I think. So shout out as City Sleeps. Um, they're just like pop punk. But uh, I've been listening to like a lot of Nothing Nowhere. Um, Life on Repeat, always the best band that didn't make it. And I wish they did because they were so fucking good. Um, Conditions. Conditions is really good. Uh, and The Killers. That's about it. Um, but yeah, shout out as the city sleeps. That's been my jam for the day. All right, man. Check them out. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for sharing. Like, check some of this shit out. For sure, guys. Well, I definitely appreciate the time. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys at a show soon. 100%. Ryan, Ryan you go to Florida with me? Yeah, I'll hold, I'll hold hands with you all the way there. All right. Yeah, so straight up, um, don't travel to Florida yet. <laughs> okay yeah i i have been uh i i was i'm very much like do everything the last minute right now because of everything <laughs> happening there's something getting announced in the next couple of weeks that you're not you're not gonna oh jeez. You know? <laughs> you're not gonna have to drive that far oh okay all right you better nudge nudge what it is based on that, that. <laughs> wow if you put that in the if I die first comment together, you'll probably figure it out. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> better and better. It's a demo team exclusive. For sure, man. For sure. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, man, I really appreciate it. Thank you, both of you. And, uh, and we'll talk soon. All right, bud? For awesome, sure, man. man. Thank you so much. We appreciate you taking the time today. And this episode will be out very shortly. We can't wait to see y'all hit that tour. I'm, I'm sure it's going to sell out, man. You keep on being awesome, dude. I appreciate you so much. Much love to both of you guys. Thank you. Yeah, Peace. man. Thanks. Thanks for putting up with me being on three hours of sleep. So, <laughs> All good. All good. Talk to you guys soon. All right. Awesome. <laughs>